Blog Talk Radio. Well, good morning, everyone. Good afternoon to those on the East Coast. This is Stuart Crawford here on Public Psyche Radio. Another Friday is here, and we're uh, ready to go uh, for another great program. And we've got an interesting uh, program lined up today with uh, some great colleagues of mine. And I'm hoping, uh, I'm hearing a little bit of static here on the line, so I'm hoping everything's going through okay. Again, Stuart Crawford here in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and uh, here we are for another week of Small Business IT Radio on the Blog Talk Radio Network, broadcasting live across the world on the uh, World Wide Web. And uh, the purpose of this program is to bring uh, great ideas to IT professionals across the world, help us uh, be more competitive in our marketplace, uh, get new opportunities, hey, help us overall with uh, what we can do in, in our business. So we have some great uh, friends of mine uh, joining us today. We have uh, Phil Keneally from ACES uh, out of Cedar Falls, Iowa, and Brad Kowarczyk from Brayland Technologies out of North Battleford, Saskatchewan. So I'm sure a lot of you people are asking, hey, where's Cedar Falls and, and where's the North Battleford? I'm fortunate. I know where they both are, but maybe a lot of folks out there not, um, have no idea where they are. So, Phil, welcome to you this morning. Uh, where is Cedar Falls in Iowa, by the way? Well, thanks, Stuart. <clears throat> um, Cedar Falls is 13.4 miles west of Dewar, Iowa. Okay, so where's Dewar, Iowa? Oh, well, Dewar, Iowa is in northeast Iowa. Okay. Uh, if, okay. if you if you quartered the state of Iowa, we're just about right smack in the middle of the northeast quadrant. Perfect. And tell us a little bit about ACES and uh, the services that you uh, deliver in the Cedar Falls area. Well, ACES is a network infrastructure VAR. We provide um, any kind of – we're Microsoft Gold certified partner, so we provide any kind of network infrastructure. We work with Citrix Solutions. We work with Hewlett-Packard. Uh, Cisco, 3Com, voice over IP phones. So we provide services primarily targeting small businesses, uh, companies with 25 to 300 employees. And uh, primarily our footprint is a 50-mile radius of Cedar Falls. This is a tertiary market, mostly um, uh, very small businesses. Uh, but more and more we're getting uh, with our TLC product, which is the uh, Tech Love and Care and um, Managed Services product, we're able to provide support remotely for clients outside of that normal footprint. And we're seeing more and more activity in those areas. Oh, well, great. Well, welcome, Phil. And uh, I know I know your insight will be uh, very valuable to uh, to everybody on, who's listening and to our overall program. One of, uh, you're one of my respected uh, leaders in this community that I look up to, so welcome and thank you for joining us this morning. And, oh, you're uh, and Brad uh, Kowarczyk from Brayland uh, Technology, I think I got that right, Brad, out of uh, North yeah. Battleford, Saskatchewan. Yeah, so North Battleford is uh, probably a lot like Phil's area. We're uh, a tertiary market. We cover the northwest quadrant of Saskatchewan fairly well. Uh, which means that we probably travel a little bit further than what uh, than what Phil does in his area. We probably cover uh, uh, about 80, 90 mile radius in a lot of a lot of directions. Um, we are also focused on the SMB market. Uh, we would typically find our clients would be in that 10 to 100 size, um, and 
I, I think also typically find that they're large enough and complex enough. They've got you know servers and in uh, in line of business critical line of business applications, but they're not large enough to have an IT professional on staff and uh, need someone like us to provide uh, outsourced services. Also, like Phil, we've seen a real ramp up in our managed services offerings over the last 12 months. Um, I think that's uh, a, a trend that we've seen in, in lots of areas. Uh, definitely for us, it's been a learning curve. Uh, I think that some of that learning that we've done has made us better overall in how we manage our business. We've had to. We've had to make those adjustments. And so I'm excited to be on the call today. Um, I, I think it's a great topic, Stuart, and thanks for having me. Well, thanks, Brad. And uh, again, one of the guys. Uh, Brad, you're also Western Canadian uh, Partner A lead for the Microsoft SBFC community. So welcome aboard. Right. And yep. And uh, so the call on lines are open. If you want to dial in and ask a question, you can call in at 646-716-8372. I also have the chat window open at BlogTalkRadio.com if you want to ask a question via our chat window. So guys, the, the topic for today is uh, remaining competitive in a in uh, today's market, especially as our expenses start to skyrocket. Hey, there's no uh, secret out there that the price of fuel is going up. Brad, I don't know what it's like in Saskatchewan. It's a buck thirty a liter here, roughly in Calgary. Uh, Phil, when I was down in Iowa about a month ago, I seen it fluctuate from, you know, three thirty in the uh, the south, the northeast corner there by uh, South Dakota, down, you know, up to about four or five in different areas. So we got, you know, our expenses going up here in our, you know, in a major market like Calgary, our office rents going up. I mean, we pay probably we are in a third tertiary mar- mar- building. We're paying like $23 a square foot plus off cost for our office space. Uh, salaries are going up. I don't know what it's like in the, in the tertiary market, but it's very competitive here in in, the, in a major market. And the reason why I picked you gentlemen to come on today was, you know, to give that perspective of, you know, if if you guys can make it in a, in a smaller market and a bigger footprint, uh, we can take some of those lessons learned and maybe apply it into our bigger market. I was telling Phil, Brad, before we uh, went live that, you know, I can walk to 80% of my clients from our from our office. You know, we instead of having a 50 mile radius, we got like a five block radius from our office. We get but we get different challenges around that. And maybe I'll open it up. The first question to Phil. Uh, you guys mentioned both of you mentioned managed services. How important Phil was getting a managed services plan in place uh, to get that competitive advantage? Uh, you know, in your in your area. Well, Stuart, I think it's the difference maker for ACES. Um, as we, I told you before we went live, uh, for the first time this year when we did our forecast, we forecast every month as a, pro, as a profitable month. And I credit that. That's the first time we've ever done that. We've always have, especially in the summertime when our billable engineers are taking vacations and there's you know just a lot of things going on that we don't get our utilization up to where it should be. But I credit this year's forecast, and we're meeting the forecast, by the way, uh, to the fact that a significant part of our income now is monthly recurring revenue, and uh, it's based on providing proactive services to our clients. The other positive about that is we've structured that so that many of our service calls are uh, performed remotely. We don't have to roll a truck as often as we used to. And uh, 
you know, we started down this managed services path about four years ago, way before gas started doing these astronomical leaps. But uh, I guess you could say what foresight, we weren't even thinking about that. We were thinking more in terms of how to provide the best value for our customers. <clears throat> and then this is just a benefit of it. We're able to provide the support that they expect and uh, do it without driving our costs out of the, you know, uh, out of sight with the increased fuel costs. So, Phil, is there any other, you know, how many competitors would you have in the Cedar Falls area? Well, we have, I'm going to say, two primary network infrastructure competitors. There's a lot of little trunk slammers and things like that, but I would say two uh, significant competitors. So would you say, uh, you know, one of the keys to uh, being, you know, competitive in today's market is being unique in what you're offering? Well, I think that is a key. You know, you have to have a differentiator, especially if you're going head-to-head -head with a competitor. And we certainly have that through our proactive services and our all, you know, one throat to choke approach to IT services. Um, but to be honest with you, Stuart, there's so much opportunity, even in this tertiary market, that we rarely run into our competitors in that environment. Once in a while. Okay, um, you know, and we have the same thing in the in the larger market here. We we probably have about, I would say four or five main competitors and there's a bunch of others but you know really only four or five that we need to be competitive with brad maybe i'll flip, I'll flip this over to you uh, you know you mentioned uh, in our chats before that you know the, the key is to being com uh you know what are some of the keys to you about being competitive in today's market uh you know when we chatted we we seem to talk a lot about ongoing investment you know of uh, having the Eye on the ball and and, and continue to invest in our in our businesses. What what things are you doing uh, to increase your competitiveness in the market and put that ongoing investment back into Braylon? Right. Yeah, I, I, I do agree completely, Stuart. That uh, perhaps the the first reaction as a business owner is that if a market becomes tough, there's a bit of a downturn, a bit of a tightening that we pull back on our investments, and uh, I, I think that's the wrong approach. Uh, we've actually increased our investments um, starting about three weeks ago, starting late August. We're kind of like Phil, where summertime is, uh, uh, you know, kind of a, a slower time for us. Uh, but we've ramped up into the fall period here by spending more, market, more money on marketing uh, than we have for a number of years. Uh, we've also gone back to reinvesting in training. In fact, today we have a uh, meeting with our staff uh, just to finalize some plans around what are their training objectives for this quarter, uh, really making sure that they're setting and reaching individual goals. Uh, so again, it, it starts with kind of the, the, the key word that, that you have in the title of our, our session today, uh, being competitive. Um, being competitive requires that ongoing investment, requires us to have the best marketing, the best people, the best training. Uh, so I think that's that's the key, I think, overriding goal as, as business owners. Um, how competitive are we, and are we getting better, or are we losing ground? And, and so we don't want to cut back on expenses in ways that affect revenue. So would you say that it's a mistake to cut back on expenses, Brad? Yeah, I, th I, I think... 
you could maybe categorize that in two ways. There's there's uh, expenses you should know about and cut back on, and expenses that you shouldn't. Those that generate revenue, I think, uh, you know, don't cut back on those expenses. Don't you know, stop hiring good people. Don't don't cut back on training. Don't cut back on marketing because those are things that continue to drive revenue. When you do cut back on expenses, you know, do it intelligently. So things that uh, that are going to help, there's know your numbers. Um, know where you're, you're spending that money. Uh, and, and, and one of the keys that we look for is what is the industry averages. So we may feel as though you mentioned the cost for rent in your area, um, you know, is that number uh, that you mentioned of $23 a square foot, is that a bad number? Uh, well, it isn't necessarily. I mean, that may look like a high number, and that's going to look like a large expense to your business. But if that's the average for your area, and you decide that uh, you're going to save money by moving you know, half an hour drive away from your customers, uh, it's pretty obvious uh, to someone looking from the outside in that that's probably a mistake for your part. If you save some money on your rent and all of a sudden your your price to get to your customers goes through the roof. So those are the types of expenses that, uh, you know, we, we want to look at with some intelligence before we make that decision. Okay. I mean, that, and that to me, that makes sense. I want to kind of touch base on marketing a little bit here because uh, that's my love. Sorry, guys. Marketing is my love, and that's what I do. Uh, Obviously. But, <laughs> so we, I went to a seminar last night. Uh, one of my friends, his name is Troy White. He's a master marketer. He's a local guy here in town. And he told us that nine out of ten small businesses suck at marketing. Plain and simple, <laughs> they just suck at marketing. Uh, I'm not sure that that number can go into the IT space. Phil, I mean, in the Cedar Falls area, how important is marketing to your company? Uh, and getting the word out of you know about what Aces does and and then the competitive advantage that a small business in in uh, Cedar Falls and uh, what they get what they get by leveraging the services that you offer. Well, Stuart, I concur that our company sucks at marketing as well. I'm going to say that past tense. We sucked at marketing. We've increased our marketing um, budget by 16% so far this year over last year. And we did something for the first time this year and hired a marketing professional to assist us with that effort. It's been one of those things that I, I, I always tried to do myself or delegate it to one of my sales staff, which took their focus off of what they were supposed to be doing in terms of uh, seeking out new customers and things. And so we just kind of always had a half-baked marketing effort. And finally this year, I just we just stepped up and said, okay, we're going to put somebody, we're going to make this somebody's responsibility. And it's been very good. Uh, for one thing, we're seeing regular uh, approaches to our customer or touches with our customer that we didn't see before, but we're also able now to take advantage of the vendors' uh, MDF funds for marketing efforts. We've got somebody that's tracking the results, and uh, I can't say that we've seen significant results in terms of new revenue generated from it yet. But I think it's because we're too, you know, we're too early in the process. But I'm excited that we actually have a marketing effort now. Well, you know, I'd love, you know what, so I love MDF, and I mean, MDF is a great way for market development funds from your vendors. I think the last number I heard from somebody that 
only 10% of the MDF money allotted gets used, which I find it, you know, that's a, that's a big number. And we just, we just got $50,000 worth of uh, MDF from a number of our vendors for a big thing that we're, we're launching in, in October. You guys have to, I saw have to that. Watch, you'll have to watch for it because it's going to be pretty cool. Uh, cool. But, you know, Brad, what are you, Brad, what are you doing in North Battleford uh, with MDF money? I mean, because that'll, that would cut back on a huge amount of your own expenses by putting your own money into it. So what does Braylon do to leverage MDF? Well, probably about the, you know, we're kind of, we're kind of like Phil as well. I think that uh, we, we've been in that uh, group of 9 out of 10 that have been pretty poor at marketing and have just recently started to turn that around. Uh, in terms of uh, vendor MDF, about the only thing that we've sort of gotten sorted out, gotten figured out, and, and made some progress with is Microsoft. And, of course, that's a pretty key vendor, so it was a, a logical place to start. Um, what they've been able to provide for us is things like a marketing list, uh, some marketing materials. Um, so if, if, if you're not taking advantage of, um, you know, Microsoft marketing uh, funding and, and, and MDF, uh, you know, it's on the partner portal. It takes a little bit maybe in a, in a phone call to, uh, uh, you know, Microsoft Canada in this case. Um, but you know, reach out, find out what those programs are because it, it's pretty straightforward once you uh, get your head around it. And I think again, like most of the vendor NBF, uh, initially when you look at it, you might not understand it, but a little bit of effort there goes a long way. So now that we've understood one vendor, we're going to go on to a second vendor. But you know, instead of just being overwhelmed by trying to do ten things at once, let's just get one right, move on to a second one, move on to a third one after that. So I guess the message we get out of this for those listening is learn how to leverage vendor MDF. That'll be the first way to save your money because you're not investing. You're gonna have to invest a little bit of your own money, but I'd rather put a thousand dollars of my own money and forty-nine thousand dollars of vendor money into a into a marketing campaign. It uh, it helps and it goes and plus you get the the advantage of them helping you. So I mean it's it, it's pretty cool and. That's enough about marketing, guys, because I can spend all day talking about marketing. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll, we'll, we'll limit it at that. So, Brad, you mentioned something about know your numbers uh, earlier and kind of go back to that. Uh, what, what numbers are you monitoring on a daily basis uh, at Braylon to know that you're being, uh, you know, you're keeping everything in check? So I think the, the primary numbers that, that I myself would look at probably are more on the revenue side than on the expense side. Uh, my business partner looks after finance, and uh, you know probably she takes a, a closer look at the expenses on, on a weekly basis. But one of the things that we've made a change, uh, and you might not think this is a huge change, but it's made a big difference, is how we start to break out uh, our revenue numbers and also our cost of goods numbers. So where we used to, you know, obviously everyone separates out what's hardware, what's software, what services, and uh, and I think most of us would at least have broken it out historically those three ways. We started to break out our services in three ways, and we said, you know, there's really three types of services that we deliver, uh, kind of those traditional break-fix, um, time and material type services, uh, professional services, meaning new project work, and then more and more uh, managed services. And by breaking it out into those three ways on the revenue side, and then also, and I think this is key, matching your cost of goods to those same three, we started to get some trending around what was generating the profits for us. So as an example, one of the things we learned this year as we started to track that is even though we do a lot of project work, 
our projects weren't as profitable as we thought. So that's just one example where as we got to know our numbers a little bit better, uh, we started to identify something that we thought was better than it was, and now we can go ahead and take steps to control that. I, I, I was thinking of a quote from Peter Drucker, a uh, fairly famous quote, what gets measured gets managed. And uh, until we were able to measure this, uh, you know, we had a shortfall that we didn't even realize here. And Phil, what are you what are you guys doing at Aces to you know me, you know measure manage your uh, your profit centers? Well, you're going to think that Brad and I uh, collaborated on this before the call, but one thing that Aces did that probably made a huge difference is we rolled out uh, Connectwise PSA a year ago in January, and because of that, we instantly started tracking profitability of individual projects, which we had never done before. We just quoted our projects and assumed that, okay, well, that whatever price we put on it, we made money on it. Well, baloney. <laughs> we started tracking these projects. I know that sounds like a crazy way to manage a business, but, you know. Um, but we started man or, uh, monitoring and tracking the projects individually on a profitability, cost of goods sold assigned to each project, how many hours we were spending, and we realized we were losing our rears doing projects and underquoting them and not doing, you know, not having um, appropriate change order uh, process and procedure. So that alone probably is the difference between, um, you know, a, a low uh, EBITDA number at the end of the year and a high EBITDA number at the end of the year. Well, I think it's important, Phil, and one thing I'm doing, because I'm learning as we go, and I think, you know, if I look at the big pie of, all the knowledge that's out there in our industry, I only know a one or two percent. So I'm learning as you guys are even talking here. Is that one of the things I'm doing now is even my account reps were not normally we kept their their time associated with projects or tasks, and, and we we use we use ConnectWise as well. Mm -hmm. It's amazing now that you know if I can tell on a project, you know even if my account reps are doing you know traditionally they wouldn't again wouldn't monitor their time, but now I have them put their time towards a project. And now we get real numbers of yep. profitability on projects, and it's kind of eye-opening. You go, wow, we didn't make as much money as we thought on that project. Right. So, I mean, that's, that's all important now. And, Brad, I think you guys are using ConnectWise, too, uh, as well in North Battleford. Is that correct? Yeah, we sure are. And, uh, yeah, Phil, we did, we. We haven't known each other that long uh, that we could have got together on this, but we also went live with uh, ConnectWise the same month you guys did. So uh, anyway, I think we're going down the same path, coincidentally. Um, and, and, and definitely I would agree with Phil that, that ConnectWise uh, gives us that information in a better way than we ever had possible before. And, and, and that was the start of, for us, uh, looking at our numbers in a way that, that could actually affect how we managed our business. The numbers that we had before we implemented ConnectWise were more of a, you know, a monthly report. Did we make money? How much tax are we going to pay at the end of the year? And, and, and like a lot of businesses, it was not something that really helped you to change direction year over year or even within, you know, quarter to quarter. Uh, so that's been the big change over the last couple of years for us is is, is getting the idea that these numbers that that you know, maybe buried in your accounting program or your CRM application, 
you have to have a way to report on those numbers so that you can, you know, kind of like driving a car. You can set the overall goal, I'm going to drive from A to B, but you've got to steer along the way and make those little adjustments. And that, that's, I think, the key difference for us uh, from a couple of years ago is, is being able to make those little adjustments along the way. Well, let me tell you, gentlemen, because uh, one thing you guys talk about collaborating ahead of time well. You know, I, I believe in hanging out with like-minded uh, people. So maybe we haven't collaborated intentionally ahead of time, but you know what? We're all on the same thinking, so I'm not surprised the message is the same here. So um, this is what happens when, you know, a little bit of a credit. I always like a little bit of a plug to uh, to HCG, which we're all members of the Heartland Technology Group. So, we're you know, that kind of stuff is just uh, implanted into us, I guess is the way to put it, and uh, we all share these best practices. So... It's great that the message is uh, is consistent because again we're all on uh, you know the uh, the same wavelength here. Phil, I want to kind of ask you a question about uh, services in general. I mean, you mentioned you're doing your managed services and you know you you're trying to do everything remotely as much as possible, go on site when needed. Uh, you know, traditional IT services back you know even five years ago was we used to apply a little bit of hardware, a little bit of software, and you did the service around it. Uh, how important is, and, or maybe what's, let me rephrase that a bit. What are the secrets, maybe, if you're still doing hardware and software sales, to remaining competitive and uh, in today's industry around hardware and software sales? Are you doing anything special there? Um, I'm, I can't really say that we're doing anything special there. One of the things that we've gone to our clients that are especially managed services clients, because many of them do have an IT staff. We handle the day-to-day routine things for them. And many times those IT staff want to buy their servers online uh, or their equipment online then go to CDW or Dell or whatever. And uh, so we've, all, we've taken the attitude, that's fine. You buy your hardware wherever you want and we'll configure it and, and do the services part of it. Now, when we do have an opportunity, of course, we make recommendations that they buy first-tier level hardware. We're not asking them to go buy their hardware at uh, Servers RS, you know, and have some kind of weird configuration to maintain. But uh, that said, um, when we do provide hardware, uh, we give them a couple of options. We focus primarily on HP and IBM, and uh, then we allow them to make the decision. Uh, but we don't sell enough hardware to even be on the radar as far as HP and IBM are concerned. But I think we've seen, especially from IBM in the last uh, 18 months or so, that they still um, appreciate the business we're doing and are very supportive in terms of training and providing uh, opportunities for us to learn more about their products and to help us to market them better than they've ever done and um, even to a small reseller like us. Okay. And, uh, you know, one of the things, Brad, uh, we've seen at the Microsoft Worldwide Partner Conference is kind of switch to the the hosted or the cloud type uh, solutions. There's two, two areas I want to kind of hit here on this is what, are, what is Braylon doing internally to leverage remote access and cloud-type solutions so your uh, your engineers and your staff uh, are more effective and more efficient out there in the, in the field. And the second part was, what are you recommending to your clients when it comes to uh, those type of solutions? 
Yeah, probably the place that we've started in the two areas that uh, hosted solutions seem to be adopted perhaps first or more readily uh, comes down to uh, spam control and uh, off-site storage, uh, mostly backup. And so we've been down that road now for probably about a year. Um, we happen to use Postini. They're not, of course, the only solution out there, but... Uh, what we found was that uh, when we were trying to control spam on site, uh, whether, you know, to begin with that was a piece of software running on their server or maybe even if that was a, a separate appliance, I know Barracuda is a great product, but the challenge that you have, some of our clients are, and I think more and more like this, a very small percentage of their emails are actually uh, valid emails. So we had an example of a 35-user network that was getting a million messages uh, a week, um, and their internet connection wouldn't handle that. So cleaning that spam up ahead of time, I think, you know, in, in a hosted solution was was is a very easy discussion to have. Um, gets us into a managed service, if you will, or a recurring revenue contract, and and you know lightens up the bandwidth and does those things we need it to do. The secondary again. Um, having to be, do with off-site backup storage. <clears throat> and uh, so we've made good use of the, the Zenith Infotech solution, which is a, an appliance that's on-site that does the initial backup, and then once a day we'll uh, send that off-site. I know SonicWall has got you know, a very good solution with their CDP and probably can do some similar things there. But those are two examples of hosted cloud-based solutions, if you will, that that, that have now, uh, I think we've had pretty broad adoption in our, in our client base that, you know, even a couple of years ago, we wouldn't have had those types of services. Now, the next step, you know, what about that hosted exchange, hosted SharePoint, those sorts of things? Uh, I would say right now we really don't have our head around, you know, where is that going? How real is that uh, uh, in the short term? I think mid to long term it's definitely there, but... You know, how many of our clients are going to want and need that solution in the next year? I really don't have a handle on that yet. I, I'd oh, like to speak to that if I could, Stuart. Uh, go ahead, Phil. You know, we just, this summer we experienced the floods of 2008 and uh, fully a third of Iowa was basically underwater. And during that time, uh, ACES, uh, our location on our campus here is a world-class data center built about five years ago that we... Uh, lease space from and then host our clients, many of our clients' servers and, and applications and things like that. We happen to be doing a pilot program for, or a pilot project for the Waterloo Police Department, Waterloo's sister city of Cedar Falls, and their facilities would have been down had they not had that remote access at our data center in Cedar Falls. So with you, you know, it's easy here in Iowa now to talk about uh, business continuity disaster recovery because so much of the state was affected. But I would encourage uh, our listeners and Brad, too, to start looking into that kind of solution for their clients because it, you know, be far better to have your server and uh, data in a safe location before a disaster hit than afterward, and so we're doing more and more of that. Well, that kind of leads into kind of something I wanted to talk about, guys, is um, diff being different in the marketplace. Now, we all mentioned, you know, the traditional break-fix tech guys. Phil, you mentioned the trunk slammers that are in Cedar Falls. 
There's a number of IT people out there. I would call them IT technicians. They're great technicians. They understand the uh, you know how to fix a Windows server or you know set up Exchange or you know run Vista, all this grid stuff. How important is it now going into the latter half of 2008, 2009, especially Phil, with your experience, you know, coming out of that whole flood thing, to be more as a trusted business advisor and differentiating yourself in the marketplace? Because obviously, I mean, I heard, I remember a line. A good friend of mine, his name is Carl Bryan. I haven't seen Carl in a number of years, but I remember last time I talked to him. He took me aside and said, you know, Stuart, you're going to make more money in this city being different than trying to be better than the other guy. So, Phil, you know, this mentioned the trusted business advisor, and you obviously got an, an angle here that you're, that you're going on. How important right. is it to you to be different in your marketplace or offer, uh, or offer, better, or offer different types of solutions? That is, it's huge, uh, Stuart. And I guess what I want—I just heard this morning that one there's a little there's a little local company that just closed down two two partners, and they were good. I they were good break fix guys, and I don't know really how much experience they had with networking and things like that. That little shop downtown, they just closed down. When they closed down, they just turned everything off. They were hosting customer websites and things like that. They had no transition plan, no nothing, and so customers were left in the dark. Um, that's the difference between working with, and I call them trunk slammers. It's just a, you know, it's probably, probably shouldn't say that. <laughs> but that's the difference. Them, I call them, uh, I call them F SPF, single point of failures. Because this, you know, this example yeah. you've given is a single that's, point of failure. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. that's the value of working with a company like Aces that, pro that has a professional staff that provides uh, replication of that staff and we, you know, we back each other up in terms of technologies. We try to, um, we try to have more than one person certified in each technology that we're offering. So if, if someone gets hit by a train or whatever and we lose a key staff member or he just goes to work for somebody else, moves out of state, whatever, we've lost nothing. And the uh, uh, ConnectWise PSA helps us to accomplish that too because everything we do is routed through a service ticket through dispatch. And every a part of every engineer's job is to document what they've done at that client. So we've got this knowledge base of everything we've done for a client. That's invaluable. If you've got that single point of failure, I like that term, um, when that guy quits or leaves or retires, you've lost that knowledge base. I think that's critical to our customers, and that is a key di differentiator. Well, I mean, that's 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 key, uh, Phil. And Brad, what are you guys doing uh, in Bra at Braylon there to be uh, you know different in your marketplace? Because I mean, Northwestern Saskatchewan, you know, is a big territory, but you know, if you look at the number of people there, it's you know relatively small. Yeah, I think the uh probably the big differentiator for us is is um you know all along we we've, we've looked at the entire solution and so you used a term there I think that has been used a lot uh trusted advisor but what does that really mean? And uh more and more uh and I see this as my role in particular but even the training that we provide for our people more and more it's about uh, we want to provide a solution to the client and not being uh, not not sitting down and have conversations around you know this is the new technology this is why you know features of of this new technology it's more of a conversation around here are what your business goals are uh, what can we do to facilitate those business goals 
with your employees and and you know just just uncover those um, business problems that or business pains that that client might be going through um, takes a different approach takes maybe a little bit more time but we've got that down to a process where it's probably about a three meeting uh, you know for a typical client that is that is new or we haven't done a lot of uh, work for in a while but a three meeting discussion where we can go in uncover some pains come back with uh, you know a couple of proposals and then a third meeting to kind of narrow it down and actually uh, define what it is that that technology can do for them so that approach I think for us I would say in my mind is is what makes us stand out as being different from uh, from our competitors who might still go in and say you know there's the latest greatest uh, processor out there or there's a new model of laptop that you have to have um, it's more about you know what are your challenges in your business and, and how can we be that advisor that sort of marries the, the, the technology as as the solution to that problem I think it's a fair statement to say Brad that the average oil field services company in northwestern Saskatchewan uh, president doesn't care uh, what the latest processor is. He wants to be able to see his numbers no different than what you want to see your numbers on a daily basis. Is that a good assumption? Yeah, I think you're, you hit the nail on the head. Um, one of the areas that we're looking at sort of moving in, in the future here, and I think you've done a little bit of work with this, is uh, you know looking at leveraging uh, some existing technologies like SharePoint. Uh, you know, A lot of our clients would have a small business server and not have made any use of SharePoint. So they're starting to get into this situation where they, they've, they've got a lot of information about their own business somewhere, uh, but it's not easy to find, it's not easy to search. And so little things that maybe as an IT professional, uh, you know, especially if we're talking about just the pure technician here, and we think, well, this stuff is uh, you know, pretty easy. I mean, how hard is it to use SharePoint? Um, but if we really sit down with that business owner, you know, we have to we have to kind of set aside all of those assumptions. Don't assume that they know how to use this technology. Don't assume that they know the key value of this technology. Um, you know, sit down and ask those questions. Do you think that you're getting access to your information that you have uh, in your computer systems? And 99% uh, of the time, that business owner is going to, you know, right away his, his eyes light up and he says, "No, you're absolutely right." I, I regularly, you know, have a problem finding information that I know should be there somewhere, and then all of a sudden you've got a business discussion going. Well, I think it's important, Brad, and uh, you can agree or disagree with me on this one if you wish, that we have to use those solutions internally first before we can ever go and sell them to our clients. No, I, I, I would definitely agree with you there. Yeah, for sure. No, like I always, I go show SharePoint, and I'll, I'll bring up our internal SharePoint site and how we use it, and and how we leverage it from our special projects team and information flow and workflow. Phil, I mean, I don't know if you're familiar with Arlen's business triangle philosophy. I mean, he mentions in the bottom, you know, network management, that's what we always done. You know, data management was a second level, understanding how, you know, data. And then from there down, really, we're, we're a commodity. We're in there, mixed in there with all the other, the single guys, the other IT companies, that you know, we're all, you know what, we all do that sort of stuff. How important is it to ACES now to move into business process, or how you guys say it down south, business process, and people man and people management, and in your overall model of success? Well, I think we bring a unique perspective to our clients in that regard, and I think that's what stands helps uh, to differentiate us from the uh, trunk slammers or single point of failure, uh, because my 
in my business now, I'm I'm able to take more of a visionary role and to um, spend more time working on the business than I've ever done in the past. And that's because I've got fantastic employees that are doing the day-to-day execution of our business. The advantage that gives me when I'm sitting down with a client who cares about the bottom line, you know, that's what we're all about if we're in business. We're trying to bring as much as we can to the bottom line while serving our customers and providing them value. I can have that kind of conversation with that potential client without without talking about the size of the processor or the speed of the processor or whatever. I could give a rip and, and as could he. And so it brings that's a differentiator. It's difficult for that loan operator or that guy that's out there trying to do everything on his own to understand really what he need what that business owner needs to be looking at. He's so wrapped up in the trees, let's say, uh, for the forest. You know, he's so wrapped up in the actual um, technology that he can't see or can't communicate the benefit to the client. And so, we, guys, we mentioned before that we're uh, all members of the Heartland Technology Group. Uh, Brad, you and I belong to TechSelect. How important, maybe I'll flip it over to you first, Phil. How important is it to ACES? to be part of a peer community as a competitive advantage and what do you guys get out of uh, belonging to a peer group? Well, it's it's huge important. Um, first of all, it's my virtual board of directors and so they hold me accountable. And before I was answerable only to me and my banker, <laughs> um, but now I have a group of guys that understands my business, guys and gals, that understand the business. Um, Challenge me when I set a goal that's unrealistic and challenge me if I don't meet a goal that I said I would meet. And that has put uh, accountability into our business model that's invaluable. Again, I credit that with being the difference between low EBITDA, EBITDA numbers at the end of the year and high EBITDA numbers at the end of the year. So you see your uh, your time with Heartland uh, and maybe others that you uh, belong to as an investment in your overall growth of your company. Absolutely. Yep. And Brad, what about what about you? I mean, uh, how important is uh, like an organization like TechSelect to uh, to Braylon's success? Yeah, I would agree with 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 Phil that uh, you know being part of a peer group expands your horizons, if you will. And uh, so a group like TechSelect is opening doors into the vendors that are, are so key. So where, where HTG, as Phil commented on, is you know a dozen companies, a dozen business owners getting together, acting as a virtual board of directors, TechSelect is where we're seeing improvements in our vendor relations. And, uh, you know, <coughs> Micro and, and I believe now Cynics also would have similar programs. Um, it's as much as we use technology and even things like um, you know technology for remote access for doing things like hopping on a, a phone bridge here and and having a conversation even though we're hundreds of miles apart, uh, we we still do have to realize the value in FaceTime with people and uh, so being part of TechSelect, meeting those vendor reps in person that maybe you've had email and phone conversations with, but you can go and spend some time and really find out what they need out of the relationship 
uh, I think is, is, is proving already, and, and, and we're fairly early on to this, but proving already to be a, a good investment for us. And, and, and about re- expanding our horizons, I, I, I find the same thing. That, I have to call what's you What's that? Sorry? Uh, I think Phil has uh, okay, some sorry. background All right. there. <laughs> we'll carry on. Um, and, and so I, I would say also, like, like Phil, that, you know, that, also, by expanding our horizons, makes makes me a lot more um, effective when I sit down with my clients and having that conversation about what are the challenges uh, that they face in their business. I think being part of the peer groups, uh, in, in, and I feel especially out in the prairies of Saskatchewan that, um, you know, a few years ago when I wasn't leaving the area as much, when I wasn't joining up with my peers in other areas and having those discussions, it's very easy to get tunnel vision. It's very easy to get locked into the way we do things here is the way it should be. And, uh, and, and now by getting out and being part of a peer group, having discussions with others said, well, yeah, you know, we've tried that and it didn't work or, or here's what worked better. Um, we're much better, I think, for our customers, not only for our own business, the profitability and the bottom line here at Braylon, but also in taking those same things to our clients and having that business discussion about how they might improve their businesses. So great value, and I agree with, with, with Phil. You know, we don't look at this as, as an expense. We started our conversation today, you know, what are some ways to cut back on expenses? I would tell you right now, I, I would not uh, at all consider, you know, cutting back on my travel costs to be part of peer groups as, a, as, as an intelligent way to cut back on expenses. Well, I don't think we actually Agreed. talk about that much about uh, talk, cutting expenses. I think we talk more about ways we can actually invest more money into our our business to be competitive. So it, it comes down to you know I think I'm a firm believer of the old saying you need to spend money wisely to make money. I won't say you have to spend money to make money, but you have to spend money wisely to make money. Uh, Phil, you were going to say something there before I uh, before I started talking. No, I just said agreed. Okay. So, guys, I mean, I, I wanted to um, make sure we had enough time today on our program, and I, I do have a, a, a quick commitment coming up here at the top of the hour that uh, I kind of want to go through some last-minute details here about things maybe we think we missed. Um, Phil, in, in kind of the wrapping up things, uh, you know, if you had uh, any best practices that you can share with those that are listening today, uh, what uh, would be some of those best practices? Um, move to a proactive model. That would be the number one thing, and do it with a PSA that allows you to truly track your profitability. Um, I'd say that's number one. Okay, perfect. Well, we got a solution like ConnectWise and uh, and use yep. that to track everything that goes on in your business, right? Yep, that's right. And uh, Brad, uh, you know, you got a number of great best practices that we've shared over over the last year or so. Um, what would you advise the uh, Maybe even the small IT guy, maybe the one one or two man operations that are looking at getting to the next level. What would some of the best practices then things that you have learned over your uh, lifespan of this in this industry that you can share with others? Well, I, I think we've covered a lot of them, and I, you know, we talked about peer groups. We talked about a good PSA tool. Uh, you know, we could toss out that, uh, and I would agree with Phil. You know, get the PSA tool first, uh, then go out and look for. Uh, you know, a remote monitoring tool, whether that's a Zenith or a Kaseya, you know, enable level platforms. But, but you know, get your process in place first before you do that. But one of the other things that, you know, I've often said in, in business, um, 
we do the best job we can. The analogy I like to use is uh, is is uh, you know jumping out of an airplane with a parachute. You do, and, and maybe even have your peer group help you to pack the parachute the best way possible. But at some point, it's up to you to take that leap. And I think that that's often um, the situation that we find ourselves in as business owners, is that we really do have to you know, be as prepared as we can, go out and find that information, research that. But at some point, we just have to believe that in what we're doing, and we do have to be willing to take that risk. And I think right now... As we see, you know, in the U.S. particularly, but even in Canada, I think we're a little more bullish in Canada. But but at the same time, there's all of this talk about cutting back and recession, and uh, you know, even amongst ourselves in the IT community, amongst our clients. Um, I think actually the opposite approach, and it often is the case that you know, going against the grain, going away from the crowd is the best approach. I think the approach here is those who are going to be more successful will be those that are willing. Uh, to make investments and maybe even to take a little bit more in t- risk with intelligence behind, of course, but but be willing to take a bigger risk uh, than our peers uh, or or the average uh, company that we're competing against, I think is going to be a, a way to be more competitive in this market. And one of the things I have always done, guys, is uh, invest in our own lifelong learning. I mean, I was a whore. I, I never read a book, and you know, after high school for a number a number of years. And, or attended seminars, and uh, even my friend Troy mentioned this last night. That the first thing to stratospheric success, I guess you could say, uh, in uh, in business is be open to learning and be a lifelong learner. Uh, and you know, podcasts like this, peer groups, uh, things like Tech Select, uh, going to I just got tickets today for a, a great event coming in Calgary called the Art of Sales. So you know, Jeffrey Gittimer and a few other keynote speakers are going to be there. It's an and Brad, I kind of like what you said there. You know, the ones that are going to make it through this little bit, if, even if we're in a rough patch, are going to be the ones that continue to invest in their business and uh, and not try to skimp around, uh, skimp and save. You know, you know, in, in, control your expenses in a in a wise way, but you've got to continue that investment. Uh, Phil, any last minute pearls of wisdom from uh, from the the heartland of the U.S. No, I just want to thank you for the opportunity to be on this program, and I think this is a, this program is a great service to the IT community. Well, thanks, Phil. And Brad, anything from you? I I, I got to agree with Phil. I appreciate your efforts here, Stuart, and getting us organized is a great topic, and and I think a great uh, a great time for it as well. Well, thanks, guys, for uh, for taking your time out uh, today to uh, to join us here on Small Business IT Radio. Again, if you're just listening to us for the first time, or you're downloading us on iTunes and or onto your Zoom or whatever device you're using or listening to us online. We are on the uh, on here every week at noon on the East Coast, 9 a.m. on the on the West Coast on Fridays. And we have a great lineup coming up, actually. I want to share with uh, with you guys some of the lineup that we have uh, here. Uh, next week, we've got a great show with uh, the authors of The Go-Giver. Now, that's a great book. It's kind of changed my life. Phil and I were in, uh, in Iowa last month on a kind of a retreat around this book. Uh, we have Bob Berg and, and John David Mann joining us next Friday to talk about the uh, the five laws of stratospheric success from around the Go-Giver book. So that's next Friday. You want to tune into that one. I'll be doing that from Orlando, so I'm looking forward to that one. And then two weeks' time, we have uh, Eric, Sim- Eric Simpson joining us from uh, MSPU out of uh, Southern California. Eric's got a great new book uh, called The Best IT Service Delivery Book Ever. Uh, that's going to be released here at the end of the month, so we're going to be interviewing Eric around that book. And then we have a very special program outside of our normal time on September 
the 30th at 2 p.m. Mountain Time at 4 p.m. on the East Coast and 1 p.m. on the West Coast. Uh, Dave Sobel, who's probably one of the best virtualization guys I know, uh, is going to be joining us to talk about uh, his new book coming out on uh, on virtualization and how small business IT professionals can leverage virtualization in their business. So uh, go to our website, smallbusinessitradio.com. Check out our whole uh, lineup of what we got coming up. Check out our archives. We've got a number of programs there that are archived that you can download and listen to uh, at any time. But I want to thank uh, our, our guests, uh, Phil and Brad, for joining us today. And I look forward to uh, talking to you all next week when we're uh, live from Orlando, Florida. So I'll be very uh, – I'm looking forward to that one. So we'll see everybody next week. This is Stuart Crawford in Calgary signing off this week for Small Business IT Radio. <laughs>